discover the inherent power of God in you. Whether there are challenges or not, we are still the same. We are constant. God is constant. God does not change. And that is the life that we have received. He says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That is the same life we have also received. We are also the same yesterday, today, and forever. What kind of life? We, we, we are the same because we have the same life with Christ. So when you think about God, think about you. Because everything he is, that is why he told Abraham, he said, I am your, your exceeding great reward. God gave himself as a reward to Abraham. And we are the seed of Abraham. Therefore, we have inherited God himself. Listen to Pastor Oti Boateng as Christ is magnified in you. It's a joy to be here tonight. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So it's been a year. We've been looking forward for this meeting. I'm amazed we came here a year ago. I'm amazed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I believe your lives are going forward. Hallelujah. From grace to grace and from glory to glory. Praise God. So tonight, God will do wonderful things amongst us. Your lives will never be the same. Hallelujah. Lift up your hands towards heaven. We are here to drink from the flow flowing rivulets and fountains of life we drink from the fountains and the rivulets of life shambra simbra kamba simba tole atati hotel roma simbra ndo kamate bari enda sibra ak the sombra samatati sondera tai Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. 
Thank you, Jesus. To him alone be all the Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Abba Father. Sweet Holy Spirit, thank you for brooding all over us. Thank you for the impartation of light and truth. Thank you for understanding the riches of understanding, the riches of your goodness. Thank you. Thank you. We bless you. In Jesus' name. Can you please be seated? Hallelujah. 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 God is good. It's good. We thank God for your lives and what God has done in your lives. Hallelujah. God bless you, Bishop. We thank God for. Can we give Bishop a round of applause? God for uh, Bishop's life, for who he is, his love, his dedication, his humility, his sacrifice. He's just a model. You have a good pastor to follow. You are blessed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Blessed. If God gives you Bishop Oti as your pastor, then God has eternally selected you ahead of time. <laughs> and you are just marked for blessing. Hallelujah. Bishop Oti, thank you for the obedience of faith. Hallelujah. And Pastor Kobe, with all the pastors, God bless your lives. Thank you. Thank you. God bless you for following hard after God. And laboring in his vineyard to produce the kind of people he he desires. God bless you, as well as all the the pastors in the leadership. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. How many of you are here to receive from God? You, you want to be blessed. All right. Turn with me to the book of Philippians, chapter three. Now I'm speaking on the topic. One virtue. That will, that will make you a success in life. Or one virtue that will make, cause you to succeed in life. One virtue that will cause you to succeed in life. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All right. So Philippians chapter 3. Verse 1 says, Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. 
To write the same things to you, to me indeed, is not grievous, but for you it is safe. I want to read it from the Passion Translation. My beloved ones, don't ever limit your joy or fail to rejoice in the wonderful experience of knowing our Lord Jesus. I don't mind repeating what I've already written you because it protects you. Praise God. In Philippians 3.1, Apostle Paul said, Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. Then he says that to write the same things to you, to me indeed, is not grievous. The book of Philippians is, is called Paul's joyful epistle. Now, the theme of the book of, of, of Philippians is joy. The book of Philippians addresses joy or mentions joy more than any other book in the Bible. Because the central theme of the book of Philippians is joy. And Apostle Paul kept talking about joy, joy, joy. And he felt that he felt that the people, some, some of the church members were grieved because he kept mentioning joy. Almost like, Apostle, don't you have any other message to preach? Why do you keep talking about the same thing over and over? And Apostle Paul kept repeating it and said, listen, for me to repeat this to you, it's not grievous, but it is safe. The Apostle version said, it actually protects you. For me to tell you again to rejoice or to be joyful, don't think I'm repeating myself too much. The reason is because joy protects you. Remember that uh, this is just the beginning of chapter, chapter 3, but he began by saying, finally. <laughs> and he was not ending his writing. Because in the Greek, the word finally is loipon, which actually speaks of the most important item. Loipon means that um, what I'm writing now is so important that if you forget what I've written previously, don't forget this one. So the finally in the Greek is quite different from what we use in the English. Yeah. So he says rejoice. Now, the thing is this. Do you know where Apostle Paul was when he wrote the letter to the Philippians or the epistle to the Philippians? He was in a Roman prison. He was in prison. Now the Roman prison <laughs> is, is the worst place you can ever be. You could ever be on earth in those days. It was so horrible and terrible for you to be imprisoned or to be taken into the Roman prison. Probably it was worse than death. People prefer to die than to be in a Roman prison. Now Paul was in a Roman prison and for your information, according to Jewish authorities of old, they said that Paul was actually in a sewage. You know a sewage? It's not just water. The water is mixed with the waste from the entire community. So it's like he's in prison, but he was in a sewage. In the midst of the waste, in the midst of the water. That's where he was. And he was in a sewage, <laughs> in prison, and he was telling those who were at liberty, I brethren, rejoice in the Lord always. <laughs> 
And again I say rejoice. <laughs> Can you imagine? So it was a reality. Almost like, what is this man saying? He kept saying rejoice, rejoice. And normally when he says rejoice, he uses it in imperative sense. It's a command, rejoice, rejoice. And look at where he was. Yet he was rejoicing. Now Paul was in prison. Paul was in a sewage. Yet he was full of joy. And he never at one time complained about his surroundings. When look at the Philippians, he never wrote and he never said, Oh, my brethren, I'm really suffering. <laughs> my, my brethren, it's not easy here. For days I've not eaten. What, what is really happening to me? Is God still alive? Is God there? He never complained about his surroundings. Someone in a sewage. Ma, 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 ma. And he was full of joy. You have not paid your school fees, yet you have no job. You are frustrated, you are worried because you have no pocket money. All your joy is gone. Why? Your beloved has left you. Someone was in a prison, and this one, we are, we are not talking about in Sawon prison. <laughs> he was in a sewage, and he kept rejoicing. That's the kind of virtue I want to talk to you about. Hallelujah. I want you to say, I'm full of joy. Joy unspeakable and full of glory. James chapter 1, verse 1 and 2. James, a servant of God, and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad, greeting. My brethren, count it all joy when ye fall into diverse temptations. Now back to verse 1. Now this James was the half-brother of Jesus Christ. His mother was Mary. You see, his mother was Mary. So, you know, Mary had other children. Yeah, so Jesus had brothers and sisters. The same mother, different fathers. <laughs> and he was a pastor of the church in Jerusalem for 30 years. He was a pastor. Now something happened. Now he's right, he wrote this epistle to the 12 tribes, to the Jewish Christians who were scattered abroad. Now, in those days, there were, there were, when farmers were sowing seeds, there were two methods they used. Either they planted the seeds orderly, in orderly manner, or they took the seeds in their hands and they scattered them randomly or abruptly. So there were two kinds, two methods in sowing. Now, so sometimes they'll just take it and they'll, they'll just scatter the seed abroad. The word scattered abroad is the Greek word diaspora. It's a Greek word. Spora is the word for seed. It's a word for scattering seeds randomly. Diaspora 
when it is anglicized, we get the English word diaspora. Diaspora. All right. So now, he was writing this epistle to the Christians who were scattered abroad. Now, how come they were scattered? They were scattered abroad as a result of the persecution that began in Acts chapter 8. And that persecution was led by Saul, who later became Paul. <laughs> and the persecution was intense and fierce. And Act 8 1 speaks of Paul, the persecution. And that word persecution actually speaks of hunters that hunt, you know, that follow the smell of animals to hunt them. So, what it meant was that the persecution was so intense that they followed Christians everywhere. And most of these Christians, some of them died, some of them were killed, others too were imprisoned. So the Christians, the Jewish Christians at that time, were scattered throughout the Mediterranean world and the Eastern lands, everywhere. What happened was that families were separated. You are with your family, but the persecution was so intense. Because we are all running, but a family member is in Domain in Accra, the other one too is in... Um, Navrongo somewhere. And you are not even sure whether your wife is alive or dead. You can't, no mobile phones in those days, you understand. You can't, there was no contact. So you couldn't know whether your relative was alive or dead. They were all scattered. You cannot tell whether your sister is alive, whether your child was alive. They were scattered throughout all the land because of the persecution. Just imagine this. Very difficult. So it is these Christians that James wrote to. The Christians who were scattered like seeds everywhere. Families were disjointed, separated, segregated. Some were killed, some were imprisoned. You couldn't tell where your relative was. They were exposed to hunger, cold, nakedness, a whole lot of things. And he wrote to them, and look at verse 2, what he said. My brethren, count it all joy. My, 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 count it all joy. Count it all joy. You are frustrated because you've not gotten a hostel yet. Count it all joy. And the word count it all joy, count, count, hegiomai, in the Greek actually speaks of a predetermined action. Something you calculate. What James is saying is that joy will not, will not just come automatically. <laughs> it will not happen by chance. You must make a, you must predetermine and make a decision to be joyful. <laughs> so it may not necessarily be an emotional response. It may not come naturally. It will not come by chance, you must make a decision. Count it. Make a decision. A predetermined action and a decision. Make a decision to be joyful. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The word joy is kara. C-H-A-R-A. That's kara. The kara is from the word caress. That's grace. So when we speak of joy, joy is supernatural. It's, super, it's a supernatural impartation. It comes to us supernaturally. It's not a natural life force. Joy is not happiness. Happiness is external. You know, happiness 
is a, a satisfaction of the senses. You have new friends, you get happy. I give you a car right now, you become happy. You get money, you become happy. Uh-huh. People give you gifts, you get happy. Uh-huh. You eat your best food, you get happy. Uh-huh. You get a gift, you get a parcel, you are happy. You get a beloved. Wow. That is great happiness. But happiness can come and go in five minutes or five seconds. Because you can easily lose your beloved. And you can you can lose the money. And when the money is gone, your happiness is gone. But for joy, joy thrives the most in the midst of circumstances, adverse circumstances and situations. Joy is the unshakable stability on, on the inner man. It's, it's within. It's strong. It's strong. Nehemiah 8 says that the joy of the Lord is your strength. Joy is strength. Joy gives physical strength, emotional strength, and spiritual strength. Actually, without joy, you can't even be a leader. You can't lead your home much more the church. Joy. Now, in Nehemiah 8.10, the Bible says the joy of the Lord is your strength. Now, the word strength here is the word for a refuge. A refuge, a stronghold. That's which protects. Remember when we read Philippians 3.1, Apostle Paul says, it is not give us for me to talk about joy again because joy protects you. Joy protects you. It, that's what is here in Nehemiah 8 verse 10. The joy of the Lord is your strength, it's your protection. Joy is your refuge. Joy is a shelter. It keeps you, it protects you from so, so many things. When you are in challenges or you are in trouble, and when you begin to be joyful, the challenges cannot stay. It can't stay. It can't stay. If like get into trouble and start and just get into your room and start laughing. If the laughter is not coming, pretend. <laughs> pretend to laugh. The body doesn't know any difference between true laughter and pretense. Yeah, you have the same effect. Amazingly, it takes. 54 muscles to frown, but it takes only 14 muscles to smile. <laughs> so, see, God made it easier for us to be smiling every time. <laughs> Can I see you smiling right now? Begin to smile. <laughs> Can Hagen, Can Hagen say it when he's in trouble? He just gets into his room and he starts laughing. <laughs> he will laugh and laugh and laugh and he says the trouble will run away. You know what Jesus said in John 16.33? In this world you shall have trouble, you shall have tribulation. But be of good cheer. Good cheer. Because I have overcome the world. So in the midst of trouble, why is he telling you to be of good cheer? If you could not, he wouldn't tell you. To be of good cheer, you don't have to be in a good emotion to be in a good cheer. <laughs> That's why he says, count it. Make it happen. The feeling may not be there, but laugh. Just laugh. You understand? Jesus says that. 
in John 16.33, in this world you have tribulation, you will have trouble, but be of good cheer. You know what it means to be a good cheer? Have you supported your best football team before? When they score, look at how you cheer them up. Some of you will cheer Basa. Some of you will cheer... Uh, what? Heart of Oak. Ebusio Dwarfs. And some of you will cheer Chelsea. <laughs> And Liverpool. <laughs> Look at the way you are even cheering them. Right. That is how you should cheer. That is how you should be cheerful when you are in trouble. Yeah, because you see, when you read the Amplified Version, it's, it's amazing. Jesus says that because I have overcome the world. The Amplified Version says, yeah, that's Amplified. I have deprived it of power to harm you. Whichever trouble you are in. Jesus said, and he's not lying, he has deprived, it, deprived that trouble of the power to harm you. And he has conquered it for you. But the only way to make it happen is your cheerfulness. So cheerfulness is the key. Jesus has done it. He has deprived that trouble of the power to hurt you. But to have it manifested in your life, keep being cheerful. And you see the victory. Praise God. Alright. My desire is that after this message, you will always be cheerful in this life. Yeah. Let me show you the benefits of joy. Number one, joy grants you access into your inheritance. It grants you access into your inheritance. Isaiah 12, Isaiah 12, verse 3. Therefore, with joy shall you draw water out of the wells of salvation. Therefore, with joy shall you draw water out of the wells of salvation. Now, how many of you have seen a well before? Most of you are born into cities, so you've not seen wells before. <laughs> wells. Okay, how many of you have used a well before? Hey! See, Ghana is still Ghana. Secondary school to use well. What kind of school are you? <laughs> hey, that, that's a shock. I never saw wells in school. I went to a good school. I wouldn't mention my school. I wouldn't mention it because they didn't do well in the Belan Science and Math quiz. <laughs> All right. So, you have a well, you are thirsty. The Samaritan woman said, the well is deep, and said, thou hast nothing to draw. The well is present, but how do you draw from the well? You need two things. Number one, a rope. Number two, a bucket. 
with a rope in a bucket, it can let down the rope and draw from the well. Is that not so? Now, the well can be accessible, but without the rope in the bucket, you'll be there forever. The well is present, but you can die out of test. That rope and that bucket to draw from the well is joy. See, joy is what grants you access. And now the Bible speaks of not one well of salvation, but wells of salvation. The word salvation, soteria in the Greek, you know, or Yeshua actually, in Hebrew also. <laughs> it's an all-encompassing word. When we say salvation, we have the word deliverance. Salvation is deliverance. It is preservation. It is health, healing, wholeness, safety, protection. All of these encompassing within the word salvation. So now, there are different, I want you to just picture different wells of salvation. Different wells. Remember when the Israelites got to a place called Elim from Egypt, when they crossed the Red Sea, in Elim there were 12 wells. I believe there are 12 wells of salvation. In Elim there were 12 wells. Just imagine you having 12 wells of blessing. One is called healing, deliverance, protection, anointing, favor, and all that. All these wells are there. And you can draw from any of it. You are not feeling well, you can draw from the, the healing. The healing well. There is no money, you can draw from the financial well. Because you have the buckets and the rope. You can draw from all of these wells. But without the bucket and the rope, the wells will be present, but you still die out of starvation and hunger. So joy is the means and the medium by which you can access all the blessings and the benefits of salvation. See how important joy is. For example, there are people who pray and pray, but they have no result. They have no result. They pray and they pray and they pray. They have no result. Do you remember Hannah? Hannah wanted a child desperately. And she went into the temple to pray. And she was traveling in prayer. So much that Eli thought she was drunk. Because she was doing in the spirit. Of course, she wasn't speaking in tongues. <laughs> After the prayer, the Bible says that Hannah's countenance, in 1 Samuel 1.18, I think it's 1.18, her countenance was no more sad. What does it mean? She finished praying and went away joyfully. Because she knew she had received it. Now, some of you pray. After prayer, you are still so sad. Hmm. Hey. Hmm. Listen, you wouldn't receive your answer. You have prayed. The well is accessible, it's available, but you have no rope, you have no bucket. There's nothing to draw. It takes joy. So as you pray, you must be joyful. After praying, rejoice because it is done. I'm telling you, you pray, you don't get results because there is no joy. Hmm. Now, what about giving? Sometimes, eh, when something is not working, you have to check from the scriptures why what you are doing is not working. You go like, but I've been giving. I've tithed. I've given my first fruit. I've done this, this, this. Why, why is life 
bashing me. Why am I tortured and tattered and scattered and battered? What is happening to me? <laughs> you know how you give? There's a kind of giving that brings the harvest. Moreover, brethren, we do you to wait of the grace of God bestowed upon the churches of Macedonia. How that in great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy in their... That's it. How that in great trial of affliction, the abundance... Now look at the Macedonian church. This is the Philippian church. The Bible says they were in great trial of affliction, but they had abundance of joy in the midst of their deep poverty. And when you read the rest of the chapter, they went to Apostle Paul and they were begging him, please take our offering. Please take it. Paul didn't want to take it because they were poor. They said, what do you mean you don't take it? You have taught us to give. Please take it. <laughs> you see, in our day, pastors beg members to receive offering. But in those days, they were begging Paul to receive it. And they were not just poor, they were in deep poverty. Have you ever seen someone in deep poverty? People don't give because they excuse themselves they have nothing to give. But these guys, because of intense persecution in Macedonia, they, everything was gone. So in deep poverty, they took everything they had and they gave with joy. Not just joy, abundance. Abundance. And because they gave... So you're giving, you know why you're not receiving anything? The way you are giving, hmm, hey. <laughs> hmm. Your heart is not even there. <sighs> there is no joy. There is no joy. Don't you know that God loveth a cheerful giver? A cheerful giver. Because as you are giving, you are not giving away. You are giving your way out. So, if we're to give, your celebration is rooted in revelation. If we're to have revelation, you would have given it with joy, an abundance of joy. That's why it's not working. That is why. I prepare my offering for Monday. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. Hey, sorry, I've crossed Sunday. <laughs> Saturday. By Sunday, any, every, every money I get, I take a percentage for offering. So I'm already anticipating going to give on Sunday because I know what it does. It's only revelation so with joy. So joy. So the blessing keeps coming. Because I'm not just giving, I have the rope and the bucket. As I'm giving, I'm drawing. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So, joy gives us access into our inheritance, I'm telling you. It is with joy you can draw water from the wells of salvation. Wells of salvation. These are the benefits of our salvation, the blessings of our salvation. It says with joy you can access them. So be joyful. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Secondly, number two, the lack of joy robs you of your harvest. What it means is that joy will bring in the harvest. Joel 1 verse 12. 
I want you to look at this verse carefully. This is God speaking and God cannot lie. Look at what it says. The vine is dried up. The fig tree languishes. The pomegranate tree. The palm tree also. The apple tree. Even all the trees of the field are withered. Why? Because joy is withered away from the sons of men. Now look at something. He's given us a reason why <laughs> the tree, the pomegranate tree is, is not growing. Why the palm tree is not growing. I thought that if the apple tree is not growing, it must be an agricultural reason. Yeah. If a tree is not growing, check agricultural reasons. Maybe it is planted in the wrong soil. Maybe it is photosynthesis. Maybe it needs the right environment or the proper irrigation. Something is needed in agricultural terms to enhance the growth of the tree. But the Bible is telling us that God that created the trees is telling us that all of these things can be there. Every agricultural reason for the growth of trees can be kept, yet the trees are not growing. Why? Because joy is withered away. Joy is gone from the sons of men. So actually, your joy determines your environment. It's amazing. This is true. Joy is a life force. Your joy determines what happens around you. The reason your marriage is not working because you are not joyful. The reason the money is not coming because you are not joyful. The reason you are failing your exams because joy is gone. The reason you are not getting a beloved. One of the reasons you are not getting a beloved. Because when the lady sees your face, you are too serious. And she says, my home, but because of your face, I don't think my home will ever be lively. <laughs> no, the Bible tells us to keep our heart with all diligence for out of it are the issues of life. What it means is that what happens, what happens to your life? You see, what controls your life? Issues from your heart. Hmm. It is said that man is the spirit of all things. Now look at Adam. The moment Adam sinned, Adam, son entered into Adam and his spirit underwent a change. The instant Adam sinned, listen, it affected creation. The ozone layer depleted. The grass began to wither. The flowers began to fade. There were thorns and thistles. Creation was plunged, was plagued with death, with the second law of thermodynamics and with entropy. Entropy. Inevitable reduction in the availability of useful energy. (laughs) So you see, I I hope it's true. <laughs> so you see that 
the inst- but you see, the tree never sinned. The grass never sinned. The ozone layer never sinned. It is man who sinned. And when his heart underwent a change, his environment was affected. That's how joy works. When there is no joy, your life dries up. Hmm. Your life dries up. That's the, that's the meaning of the scripture. It dries up. Things don't really work when there's no joy. Everything is affected. For instance, in the church, there are people who are serving God in the church. The Bible says that if they serve and obey him, they will spend their days in pleasures and their years what in their years in prosperity. Job 36 verse 11. If they serve and obey him, if we serve and obey him, all our years and our days will be in pleasures and prosperity. All right. Serving God. In Exodus 23 verse 25, look at what it says. It's a blessing in serving God. Exodus 23 25. And ye shall serve the Lord your God, and he shall bless thy bread and thy water. And I will take sickness away from the midst of thee. Amazingly, in the Hebrew language, midst of thee is the word for heart in Hebrew. So, in Hebrew, and I'll take sickness from your heart. So, as you serve in the house of God, he says, God brings healing. There's this man who the doctor told was going to die because he had a heart disease. And they said that he wouldn't survive two weeks. So when he heard it, he, he got light, understanding to the scriptures, and quickly went to the house of God and began working. Any work he could find, he was just doing it. Sweeping, carrying water, whatever, from morning to evening. Elderly man, not too elderly, in the mid, middle ages. The doctor gave him two weeks. But after 20 years, the man was still alive. <laughs> How did it work? You see, when there is no joy, the labor of your harvest perishes. When there is no joy, <laughs> you are robbed of the reward of your stewardship. There are people working in the house of God doing everything, but the blessings are not coming. You know why? They are seven, but there is no joy. If you are a worker in this house, <laughs> make sure you serve with joy. You sweep with joy. You clean with joy. You go for evangelism with joy. You pray with joy. Whatever you do, the cameras, you take the camera, you take the, uh, how do you call it, the pictures with joy. You serve the food with joy. Very important. But there are people serving, but their sentences are still there. It's not gone. They are seven, but there is no joy. They are doing the right thing, but they have lost the rope in the bucket. Praise God. Okay, let's see Deuteronomy 28 verse 14. And you see what I'm talking about. Deuteronomy 28 verse 14. Verse... Sorry, it's verse 47 rather. Verse 47. Verse 47. Look at what it says. Because thou servest not the Lord thy God with joyfulness and gladness of heart for the abundance of all things 
The next verse. Thou shalt serve thine enemies. Which the Lord shall send against thee in hunger, in thirst, in nakedness, in want of all things. And he shall put a yoke of iron upon thy neck until he have destroyed thee. So you are serving God. You are serving God. You are in the house of God. Let's go for evangelism. Hmm. They said we should go, so let's go. You are doing it, you are seven. People see you to be seven, but in your heart there is no joy. Joy protect. I've already given that foundation. Without joy, you've lost the protection in that area. And God knows what it means. Because you're not seven with joy, he says you will save, save your enemies. In the New Testament, our enemies are not the Canaanite, the Amalekite, the Jebusite. Our enemies are not human beings in the New Testament. Our enemies are sicknesses, diseases, poverty, curse, lack of peace, you know, frustrations. These are our enemies. So he says, whilst you are serving the house of God, you are serving without joy, you start serving your enemies. Why am I so serving the house of God and why is this against there creeping me? You are serving your enemy? How am I serving the house of God? But what? The man is not coming. The man is not coming. All this while, you are serving your enemy. If there's one area to check, check your joy. Start being joyful and these things will run away. Because you're not joyful, the trees of blessings are withered. And there is no protection and you start serving your enemies. May that not be your portion. It looks so simple, but <laughs> the forces of life are spiritual. Joy is very powerful. That's what Paul says. <laughs> Don't be grievous, I'm talking about joy over and over. It's, it's, it's safe. Safe. So if you are in church and you're always complaining, complaining, and you don't like your pastor. You better go to another church. Because you see, if you don't like your pastor, whenever he's blessing you, it becomes a curse to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's heaping coals of fire on your head. Yeah. And never speak against your pastor. Never, never speak ill. Don't do that. There are spiritual protocols you can break. And whatever you are told to do, make sure you prepare your heart before you start doing it. And do it with joy. And the moment, so there are some people there, they, they come to church, within a year or two, the blessing is flowing. But there are some, eight years. What's really happening? Oh! <laughs> Their heart is hardened. They are full of bitterness, unforgiveness. But joy releases the blessing. You are come to sweep the church. You can't wait to come and sweep the church. Because you sweep and angels are all around looking at you. You can't wait to sweep the church. I'd rather be in the doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tent of wickedness. You can't wait to clean the chairs. You are doing it with joy. Don't do it because hmm, there is no one. 
Pastor, pastor needs help. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'll never serve my enemies. I'll never serve them. Because you see, there are legalities. legalities. The devil uses some of these things to ensnare us. So joy protects you from the schemes of darkness. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The devil can never get you. Number three, joy is a source of your health. Joy gives health. Proverbs 17 verse 22. A merry heart doeth good like medicine. But a broken spirit dryeth the bones. A merry heart. There was a certain wedding ceremony. And a preacher was preaching. The preachers, and someone was interpreting the preaching. This happened live. <laughs> the preacher said, A merry heart. And the interpreter will say, Merry Akuma. <laughs> then he will say, A merry heart. Say, Merry Akuma. <laughs> So we are not talking about Mary's heart. A merry heart. <laughs> A cheerful heart. The word medicine here is the Hebrew for health. Health. So this is what the Bible is saying. Now this was written many, many, many centuries ago. But in recent times, medicine now discovered the power in laughter. Of course, when you are joyful, Joy and happiness releases endorphins. And it can boost the body's immune system. And recently, there's a discovery concerning cancer. Recent discovery. Some people had cancer and they made them laugh. They put them to the room and they would laugh. <laughs> they taught them to just be laughing. After a while, the cancerous cells had died. Wow. Yeah. God is amazing. Come and begin to laugh. Wow. <laughs> Hallelujah! As you laugh, your sickness is leaving you. <laughs> Very important. Anytime you start laughing, Satan is confused. He becomes jealous. Because since he fell from heaven, he has never laughed. <laughs> he has never laughed. <laughs> Hallelujah. Now, a broken spirit speaks of discouragement. A broken spirit is discouragement, depression, despair. Hmm. So you see, discouragement and despair and depression affect the body physically. That's what is here. A broken spirit dries up the bones. Now, the drying up of the bones causes a lot of sicknesses. One of it is called arthritis. Arthritis is caused by the drying up of the bones. When the moisture in the bones dries up, it causes arthritis. And other sicknesses also. So the more you are depressed and discouraged, the moisture in your bones are drying up. The more you are sad, there are some people they love to be sad. 
almost like sadness is their calling. We love sadness. How are you? Hmm. Almost like if they are cheerful, it's a defeat for them to be cheerful. <laughs> Do you know that when people are growing old, they shrink? They shrink. You know why they, they get, you see a giant, but, but by the time the person is 80, the person shrinks. Because his, the moisture in his bones dries up. It dries up. But when Moses was dying at age 120, he was still full of, was a full, full of stature, strong. Deuteronomy 34 verse, 34 verse 7. The Bible says when he was dying, his, the, the force of his natural, yeah, his natural force was not abated. In the Hebrew, the word natural force actually is moisture in the bones. Some versions will actually tell you he, the moisture in his bones was not dried. So his bones never shrank. If you keep being joyful, your bones will not shrink. Now, if you like it, point to me anyone who is suffering from depression. He has physical problems. He, he, the same person is also suffering from sickness, physical kind of diseases or something. Because when you live in depression, what follows is it affects your body physically. Yeah. Because a broken spirit, dry, it affects the body. Dries the bones. And for information, presently, the percentage of suicide among teens have escalated by 200%. People are not happy. Alcoholism among motherhood has risen by 300%. When you take different ages, I mean from, from the teens to 90, Depression is seen, the highest percentage of depression is recorded between ages 18 to 29. 18 to 29. So the young generation are more depressed today. What it means is that we are going to see a lot of sicknesses coming up and diseases. So doctors prepare. (laughs) It's going to happen. So joy protects you from diseases. It protects you. Apostle Paul said, it's safe for you. It's safe. It secures your inheritance. It keeps you from your enemies. It protects you physically. The joy of the Lord is your strength. It gives you physical strength as well. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Say, I'm full of joy. I'm full of joy. So as you start laughing, you are releasing endorphins. My, 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 my. Listen, listen. You know what you are doing? When you hear any bad news, go and sit in your room and laugh that way. I'm telling you. As you laugh that way, you are depriving it of any power to hurt you. As you laugh like that, you are overturning situations. So Jesus gave us a key. In the midst of trouble, say, be of good cheer. Just be of good cheer. 
The apostles knew this secret. They could say, we are exceedingly joyful in all our tribulation. Say, we are joyful. From today, may we not see any sad face in church. Your face will not be sad to see. <laughs> the next point is this. Joy will grant you the desires of your heart. God will grant you the desires of your heart if you are joyful. Psalm 37 verse 4. Now, there are many fruits of joy. Joy has fruits. What are the fruits of joy? The fruit of joy. The fruit of joy. Joy has many fruits. Now, laughter is a fruit of joy. Laughter is a fruit of joy. When you are full of joy, one of the fruits is laughter. The next fruit is singing. Another fruit is dancing. Another fruit is shouting. Hallelujah. Another fruit of joy is giving. For instance, you realize that the day you are very joyful, when someone asks you something, <laughs> you easily give that thing away. When you are joyful, you easily share your food with your roommates. And let me show you how it works. So one of the fruits of joy is giving. So joyful, take it, just take it, just take it, just take it. Just take it. When husbands are joyful, they give so much to their wives. And when wives are joyful, that day the food changes. The food is spiced. With some fruit here and there. With some juice of the spiced wine of pomegranates. <laughs> if there's no joy, oh, Sobinji just got it. There's joy. Husbands enjoy at night. So make sure your wives are joyful. Husband keeps your wives joyful. <laughs> Hallelujah. The Bible says, delight thyself. Now, in the Greek, the word joy is kara, which actually is the word for delight. Kara is delight. You know what? 
when you express joy, for instance, that is why whenever you come to church, don't miss church services. And whenever you go to church, you participate in the singing and the dancing. And when it comes to praise and worship, don't lose it. Delight yourself in the praise and worship when it comes to church. Now engage all your hearts. Don't forget about who is watching you in dancing. Who is watching you in worshiping. If you feel like rolling on the, on the floor, roll on the floor. You know what you are doing? You are delighting yourself in the Lord. You are singing, you are worshiping, you are rolling, you are praising. Because as you delight yourself, you realize that your prayer topics begin to reduce. Because one of the fruits of joy is giving. When you, joy, you, you, you express joy before God, you have 12 prayer topics. After three weeks, you realize that they have become four. You never prayed about them. But they start reducing. Because delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. You never prayed for the car, but car start coming. You never fasted for a beloved, but the right one comes. You never struggled for jobs, but jobs start chasing you. All of a sudden, you have divine inspired ideas and creative ideas for businesses. Because God cannot lie, because you are delighting yourself. You are dancing, you are worshiping. Glory. And the more as you delight yourself in church, you participate fully. God says, Wow, my son. And God will signal the angel. They begin to throw the blessings back. Because you are making God happy. Hallelujah. So when it comes to church, when you are when we call for evangelism, delight yourself in it. When it comes to ushering, delight yourself in it. You see, when it comes to calling for prayer meeting, delight yourself in it. Whatever is called for in a church, delight yourself in it. Because as you delight yourself, there are things you don't have to pray for again. Enjoy as you do those things. The blessing. So there are some people you realize that you are not doing much. And you are wondering. I've applied all these keys. <laughs> wondering. See, when Bishop is doing the things of God, his heart is in it. His heart is in it. He's fully engaged. <laughs> and before you realize, things are coming. Ask to delight yourself in the Lord. You meet that nice gentleman. Ask to delight, delight yourself in the Lord. It's amazing. Things fall in pleasant places. Now let me go further. Isaiah 58 verse 14. And let me show you what it means. To delight yourself in the Lord. And you will ever delight yourself in the Lord. Now David wrote this verse in Psalm 37. And David knew what he was talking about. He knew it experientially. Why he wrote and said that delight yourself in the Lord and he shall give thee the desires of the Look at how David would dance before the Lord. Look at how David sought for the ark of the Lord. He would dance and he was half naked. He didn't care. Because he knew as he delighted himself, the blessings start coming. <laughs> and look at this verse. Then shalt thou delight thyself in the Lord. And I will cause thee to ride upon the high places of the earth. <laughs> My, this is the blessing of joy. 
and feed thee with the heritage of Jacob thy father. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. Now, look, look at the blessing of having joy. Delight yourself in the Lord. I'll cause thee, the first blessing is, I'll cause thee to ride upon the high places of the earth. Now, what does it mean to ride on the high places of the earth? What does it mean? <laughs> you want to know what it means? Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy. Let's go to the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 32. Let's start from 7. Remember the days of old. Consider the years of many generations. Ask thy father and he will show thee, and thine elders, and they will tell thee. When the Most High divided the nations to the nations their inheritance, when he separated the sons of Adam, he set the bounds of the people according to the number of the children of Israel. For the Lord's portion is his people, and Jacob is the lot of his inheritance. He found him in a desert land and in the waste howling wilderness. He led him about, he instructed him, and kept him as the apple of his eye. As an eagle stirreth up her nest, fluttereth over her young, spreadeth abroad her wings, taketh them, and buried them on her wings. So the Lord alone did lead him, and there was no strange God with him. Look at what it means. He made him ride on the high places of the earth. Okay. He made him ride on high places of the earth. Ma, 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 ma. So, previous, the previous verses, God is the mother eagle. You see? God is the mother eagle. As the eagle fluttered over her young and spreaded her wings. So, God is the mother eagle that stretched forth his wings and took the eaglet. Took the eaglet and put the eaglet on himself. And God began to ride so that the eaglet couldn't fly well, began to ride. Now, what it means to ride on the high places of the earth actually means God takes you high and you begin to subdue every obstacle, every mountain, every hill, every valley, every obstacle in life. It is not you. God just raises you up and you scale over the mountains. You glide in glory, subduing every challenge of life. So what it means is that when you delight yourself in the Lord, one of the, me one of the meanings of the word riding is that God actually takes you as the eagle. There's troubles and the challenges and the adverse situations and difficulties at the sea. You wouldn't see them because you are gliding. <laughs> He's taking you above the mountains of obstacles and the hills of challenges. You are over. Delight yourself in the Lord. The next blessing is this. He made him ride on the high places of the earth that he might eat the increase of the field. That means that when you delight yourself in the Lord, you begin to eat good food. You begin to eat good food. Let's see. He made him to suck honey out of the rock and oil out of the flinty rock. And let's see the description. Butter of kine. Milk of sheep, <laughs> with fat of lambs, rams of the breed of Bashan, and goats, with the fat of kidneys of wheat, thou didst drink of the pure blood of the grape. Now this is the symbol of prosperity. What it means is that, now look at the food that is mentioned here. This is a kind of food for nobility and royalty. What it means is that as you start delighting yourself in the Lord, 
You wouldn't, oh, you, you've been eating Gary and sugar. You've been eating soakings. But as you delight yourself in the Lord, loving God, serving God. There are some students here, you know what they eat. When I was in school, we used to eat gari cocoa in the morning. You know gari cocoa? You know how you prepare porridge? You prepare porridge with gari, the same process. <laughs> when deep poverty. So, gari cocoa in the morning, soakings in the afternoon, and eba in the evening. But as we began delighting ourselves in the Lord, we began delighting ourselves in the Lord. Golden Tulip. Holiday Inn. Kempiski. That means that as your, your diet will not just be gobe. God will change your diet. This is physical blessings in delighting yourself in the Lord. This food is meant for the upper crust of the society. The upper echelon. Those we call blue-blooded patricians. The aristocrats. You know, <laughs> the diplomatic. If you go to kings and their tables, I mean, the breakfast for kings is not easy. So God actually gave his people the finest of wheat. The best to eat and the best to wear. The best to eat and the best to wear. And that's what the Bible selected. The Holy Ghost selected these words. Butter of kine. Milk of sheep. The fat of lambs. <laughs> the rams of the breed. All these blessings come when you delight yourself in the Lord. And as I'm seeing somebody delighting himself in the Lord. A year by this time. Joy will attract such blessings. It will shock you. Look, joy will change your bank account. Joy will change your, the diet on your table. You begin to eat balanced diet. Royal dainties. Delicacies. With all sorts of desserts. You sit on food and go like, is this me? <laughs> Only concentrate, delight yourself in the Lord. Whatever you are told to do, do it unto the Lord. Joyfully, joyfully. Hallelujah. My, 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 my. My, 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 my. Just laugh and the blessings will come. You just have to laugh your way through life. God bless you for listening. We pray that the Word of God will be rooted and grounded in your heart as you give attention to the Word. Kindly follow Pastor T and Love Economy Church on all social networks for more of God's Word. Don't forget to subscribe to the Pastor T Podcast. Simply search for Pastor T on any podcast app, plug in, and enjoy God's Word. Visit our website at loveeconomychurch.org for more information. God bless.